Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, Oaks Church. How you guys doing today? It's great to see you. Thank you so much for coming. If you're watching online, we just want to greet you and welcome you. Whether you're in town or out of town, thank you for choosing to make Oaks Church your home this Sunday morning. But this Sunday, we're going to start a brand new series called Alive Inside. Believing God through impossible times. You know, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you have things to overcome. You're going to have hard times. You're going to have difficulties. But being a believer gives you an advantage. It gives you hope. It gives you faith. You're not alone while you're overcoming. But as I started to prepare for this uh, message and this series, a lot of times it'll come pretty easy. And, and I, do, I do use my mind and uh, my notes and um, but I was really having a hard time with what to talk about. And I did what any Christian should have started with. I prayed. And I started praying and I started journaling. And I was talking to the Lord and he started talking to me. He said, Brandon, you are the message. You are the message. And when he said that, it all made sense to me. If, my, if you ask my wife, what's one word that would encapsulate uh, your husband, Brandon, what would it be? It wouldn't be funny. It wouldn't be good looking, unfortunately. She, this is her response. It is relentless. Brandon is relentless. Brandon will not give up. Brandon is very stubborn. He is gonna find a get, he's gonna find a way to get his way. He's good at delayed gratification. He's gonna find a way to make it happen. So today our message is about relentless, how to lead an overcoming life. How to lead an overcoming life. I graduated from a school called American Heritage Academy. And when I graduated, the associate pastor there at the time was a great man named Gordon Banks. And he wrote a book called The Overcomers, The Four Stages of Spiritual Maturity in Christ. And he had four levels. Number one, the observers. Number two, the participants. Number three, the committed. Number four, the overcomers. And he was preaching this message to us at our high school in the small chapel. It's about 150 of us in there. And he takes us outside for an illustration. And we walk outside, and it's a white stone exterior with this uh, staircase. And we're all standing there, and we're listening to him. He's, and he looked at all the students. He said, every one of you is either a one or a two. You're all either participants or observers. You can imagine our uh, reaction to that. We didn't like that. But he went through the crowd and he pulled me to the side. He's, and he, not to the side, to the very front. And he said, Brandon, Brandon's the only three. And I could not believe that he said that. One day he's going to be a four. Are you an overcomer? What does Jesus say about overcoming? John chapter 16, verses uh, 31 through 33 it's Jesus' last night on earth. Picture the scene. He's at a dinner table with the 11 remaining disciples. And he's talking from where we can now read John 14 through 17. 
Scholars, historians believe this the same holy, this the same upper room, the same dining room where the Holy Spirit filled the 120 disciples about 50 days later. And he says this, verse 31, Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told told you all of this so that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I love that word, overcome. I, I love the underdog. I love the person that has the fight. I, I love the person that is filled with fire on the inside. And that word overcome isn't just present tense. It's not past. It's not future. It's all three. Jesus is saying, I have been overcoming the world. Right now, in my darkest hour, the night before I die, I am overcoming the world right now. And guess what? I will always be in an overcoming stance in the world. And because I am, you can be. If Jesus is alive on the inside, this is the miracle, this is what we celebrate, you are alive on the inside as well. And greater things than he will his disciples do in the days to come. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. I pray that as I speak to the outside, that you're speaking to the inside. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us a willing heart to understand. We know these are all a gift from you, and may we leave here better than the way that we came. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I got a question for you. Is anyone in here competitive? Woo, that's a lot of you. Some of y'all got the other person pointing. You didn't want to raise your hand, but people pointing at you saying he's competitive. He don't want to raise his hand. Hey, you're pointing at me. (laughs) Um, I'm a little bit competitive. I'm not near as competitive as this guy from Meet the Parents uh, playing water volleyball. I love to play water volleyball. Uh, I love the competition. Uh, Lately, I've been liking a little ping pong. Uh, We got a competitive staff member. I'm going to save grace for him so that he still loves me. Uh, but he's been trying to bet me money. I'm like, hey, if you want to lose your money to me, that's fine. Let's do it, right? He left my house $60 poor, but uh, <laughs> he needs the money, but he's, he, he learned a lesson. Now he doesn't bet me, and now he beats me all the time. Uh, but I've gotten better over the years. Uh, when I was in middle school and high school, I grew up in a little town called Roanoke, seventh grade through 12th grade, and we had a basketball hoop in the front of our yard, in front of our driveway, and when school was over, every weeknight or on most weekends, you could find us not inside the house. You would find us outside, and you would find us uh, in the court, in the basketball court. And we'd be playing, and there was a lot of words that were said, a lot of actions that were taken, right? It was very intense. Play one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. But I remember one day specifically, uh, there was this girl. She had just moved uh, down in the neighborhood uh, down the street, she was about five, six doors down, and her name was Shelby, and I, I had a crush on Shelby. Shelby would play with us, she had to bring her friends with her, and I was super brave, so I asked my friend to find out if she liked me or not. I didn't wanna do it, I, I didn't wanna find out. Um, so my friend Alex, who was my neighbor, he went and found out on his own time, 
and he reported to home base with the intel. He said, Brandon, guess what? She does like you. But she says when you play basketball, you turn into the devil. I think that's going to be an issue. You know, life is a competition. When you open your Bible, it refers to life as a competition. It refers to life as a race to run and a fight to fight. Paul in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. He doesn't say that you're called to fight people who don't look like you, think like you, believe like you, vote like you. The Bible only says to love. Love others as your heavenly Father has loved you. Can I just make a cultural statement on behalf of our church today? Everybody is welcome here. Oaks Church is an inclusive church. We are not an exclusive church. We don't hold our hands out. We hold our hands in. Everybody is welcome here. Everybody's welcome. And that might sound like, of course everybody's welcome. But not everybody is welcome at church. But here at Oaks Church, we believe in people. We love people. They don't have to look like us, vote like us, believe like us. But we love them. And you belong here ever, excuse me, even before you believe exactly like we do. The only thing that you're called to fight is the good fight of faith. 1 John 5, 4 through 5, the Apostle John's writing, He said, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who, there's our word again, overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That word overcomes is the Greek word nikos, N-I-K-O-S. It's the same word that Jesus used in John 16, 33, when he says, I am overcoming the world. And what that word refers to is a champion gladiator. And it specifically called to mind to all of his readers the picture of the Roman Colosseum and the champion gladiators who would fight against lions and bears, against the top competitors of the time. And it said, These are the Nikos. And he said, When you believe in Jesus, when you're an overcomer, You are now like this gladiator champion. You're not a spectator anymore. You didn't pay to come here. You're not watching the event. No, now you're not in a seat, but you are right in the middle on the ground floor fighting. You're in the middle of it. See, a lot of new Christians believe, man, if I I just get saved, my life will get easier. Got news for you, it's not easier sitting in the stand than it is playing on the floor. It's not easier. There's not comfort always in Christianity, but there is growth. But you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. I graduated high school in 2006, and I started ministry internship, and I remember one month in, we were at a high school retreat that I used to go to in high school at the school I graduated from. 
And one day, we weren't having services yet, we were playing water uh, polo. I don't know if you know about water polo, and I don't even know if we were playing it the right way. Uh, <laughs> chances are we weren't. It was like water rugby, you could do anything. You could punch the guy, uh, you could hit him in the ribs, you could break his ribs, you could do whatever you wanted to do, you could plug his nose, no, no holds barred. But I remember, and, and we already talked about the competition, but I remember that I went knee to knee with this guy, and nothing happened to him, and I shattered my kneecap. And I remember the indescribable pain, crawling out of that pool, wanting to throw up, it hurt so bad, going to different doctors, and I knew I'd shattered my kneecap, I didn't know why, and I kept, it's not good, I kept going from doctor to doctor, and that's not a good sign. And they handed me over to a man named Dr. Molly, he's an endpoint referral doctor. At the time, there were only seven doctors like him in America. And I went for the diagnosis, it was me and my parents. He said, Brandon, he's like, you have tumors all throughout your knee. That's the reason your kneecap shattered and nothing happened to him. He said, Brandon, these tumors are very rare. We hardly ever see these. In fact, this case, We've looked through all of the records at MIT and there's nothing like this that has happened to anybody else who are dealing with something different. But this type of tumor goes to your lung. He said, Brandon, if these tumors go to your lung, we have to take your lung out. It's life-threatening because you only got two lungs. So I had my first surgery, had another surgery, taking out all the tumors in my leg, few months later, I had a reoccurrence. At 19 years old, in mid-April, I had surgery from here to here, and they gave me a total knee replacement at the age of 19. And you can imagine the insecurities, the doubts that I went through, feeling that I had escalated in age 40 years overnight. And I started, I went through physical therapy, and I started regaining uh, about half of my mobility. A couple years later, I was on a mission trip in Costa Rica. We were doing a, we did a lot of ministry over those two weeks, but we were doing a youth conference one morning. It was one of the last days of the trip. And I was getting up, I was one of the speakers that morning, and I had just woken up out of bed, and, and I just put my foot down on the floor. And in Costa Rica, they don't believe in carpet. Uh, they believe in tile and marble, and it's not like super nice there by any means, but, um, but it was marble, and I, I got on in the toilet, however, flooded in the middle of the night. And our room was full of water, and right when I put my feet on the ground, I slipped back, this leg went all the way back to my hip. And I, I didn't think I broke a bone, I just thought I tore my thigh off of the knee replacement because I hadn't gone that far back in a while. And I was roughing it, we were trying to find crutches, our amazing missionary director couldn't find crutches in the capital city of Costa Rica. I have a little beef with him now. Um, but I remember the next day I was walking with a lot of pain. The next day we flew back to Dallas, flew to Houston, flew to Dallas. I'm walking through the airport on Monday morning. I walk into my surgeon's office and my surgeon just about cussed me out. He said, Brandon, why did you walk in here on this? He said, Brandon, you broke both sides of your femur. It's the hardest bone in your body, and you broke it on both sides, and you've been walking around on this. 
And after that, they didn't want to do surgery. It was too complex at the time, and I, and I just healed naturally. But I lost about all the bend in my leg for about 15 years now. You know, life happens. Life happens no matter what you believe. And the only way to overcome the odds is to have something to overcome. Is anyone really an overcomer if you don't have anything to overcome, if you don't have any obstacles, if you don't have any hurdles? But you've got two options. You can either be overcome or you can be the overcomer. And the choice is yours. Jan 11, a professor at Columbia University was asked about difficulties and responded by saying, I used to resent obstacles along the path, thinking if only that didn't happen, life would be so good. Then I suddenly realized life is the obstacles. There is no underlying path. Our role here is to get better at navigating those obstacles. A study was done on successful entrepreneurs in the Western Hemisphere, and they wanted to see what commonalities all these great men that had these strong businesses had in common. They were looking for the characteristic traits that they might have together. And one of the number one things they found is one-third of all successful entrepreneurs are dyslexic. One out of three has a learning disorder and they had to find a way to learn outside of the box that we've all been learning on the inside of. Another man named Marvin in the 1960s, he did a study. He pulled out the Encyclopedia Britannica and he culminated a list. If you had more than one column written about you, he put you in a file. There were 699 people that had more than one column. And he looked at what they had in common. He looked at the obstacles they had gone through and the difficulties they had faced were staggering. 25% of the 699 people had lost a parent before the age of 10. 34% by 15, 45% by the age of 20, and it just keeps going further. In the last 250 years, 67% of British prime ministers lost a parent by the age of 16. 12 to 46 U.S. presidents lost to parents when they were young. And his research just proved that obstacles, difficulties, can either make you or they can break you. But you get to choose. So how can you lead in overcoming life? I believe there's a lot of different ways. Today I would like to discuss three of them. Number one, be driven to be relentless. Be driven to be relentless. Relentless isn't something that you're just born with, but man, you gotta bring it up daily. It's been said that cowards never start, the weak never finish, and winners never quit. Winners never quit. First time I ever preached was in August of 2005. I remember this passage I preached on, it was Luke 9, 57 through 63, but today I wanna talk about the preface verse, it was verse 51, and it says, as the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now we might read that and just kind of gloss over it, but then you read the next few verses, and it says that all the people in the next towns took offense to Jesus. Because he wasn't focused on where he was entirely, he was directed towards his eternal purpose. He was directed on a different city, on the city of Jerusalem. And that's okay. You know, not everyone is meant to be on board for your journey. So stop expecting them to. The only person that's gotta be on board for your journey is you. That's it. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before this, prophesied this exact scenario, this exact attitude that Jesus had. 50 verse six and seven, he said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And then Jesus turned inward, he says to himself, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. What is flint? Flint is a type of rock, very sharp. Historically and anciently, they would use flint to make knives, to make weapons. They used it as a fire starter. In fact, historians say that Flint is one of the hardest, if not the hardest, stones on earth. And the Bible says that when Jesus knew that it was time for him to face his difficulty, that he set his face like the hardest thing imaginable on earth, and he couldn't be moved from accomplishing his purpose, even though he knew what laid in front of him. You know, if you just don't quit, you win. If you just don't quit, you win. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man ever, King Solomon, he says there are 28 seasons in life. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cast stones, there's a time to gather stones, there's a time for peace, and there's also a time for war. But there's one season you won't find. A time to quit. You know it's never the right time or season for you to quit. Everything that you're believing for is on the other side of quitting. It's on the other side of fear. The great things that you wanna do, the way that you wanna lead your family, the marriage you wanna have, everything that you want is on the other side of not quitting. Because if you just don't quit, you win. If you just don't quit, you win. Be driven to be relentless. Number two, be full of vision. King Solomon said, without vision, people perish. You know, you can't be alive on the inside without vision. Vision is what keeps you going on the inside when life is hard to you on the outside. The things that you see for your future, the things that God has called you to, those are the things that keep you going. Jesus is our model in this. Hebrews 12, 2, 
through four, it says that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, the vision he had in front of him, knowing that you were gonna be one and you had the option to believe in him, to be brought into his family, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he talks about what to do when you're going through hard times, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Then he starts talking a little trash. You have not yet resisted the blood, striving against sin. It all comes down to vision. Vision will keep your shoulders back. It'll keep your feet on course. You need vision. I joined a coaching group this year it's called Arte Syndicate. Arte is the Greek word for excellence. 30,000 people apply to be in this program. 2,000 are accepted. And I started in this group, and I was success, uh, accepted in the last couple months. And I remember on one, on one of these calls, it's coached by two men. Uh, one I greatly admire, uh, Ed Milet. I love Ed Milet. He's my favorite. Uh, the other one is Andy Frazella. And Andy was leading a call, and he started talking about vision started talking about the importance of vision. He said the main problem that everyone deals with in their life is inaction. We are too scared of what might happen if we step out, take a risk. We're scared. He said the reason that we are inactive is because we lack vision. We're not using our vision. And he said, if you're on here and you're in this call, if you're in this room, if you're watching online, you can't lose your vision. Your vision might be buried. Maybe you haven't seen it in a while. Maybe it's been months, years, decades. But you can still pick it up. You can put it in front of you. You can recall it. Focusing on your vision is a mental exercise. In the same way that you work out to get stronger, to increase cardio, to increase fitness, you can exercise the mental faculties or you can exercise vision. What if you started to recall it every single day? Here's a way that you can do that. Ask yourself, what do you wanna do? And what problems do you want to solve? And once you know those answers, then get your emotions involved. And this is something that I do he says, give it one, three, five, ten minutes a day. He says, it's going to be hard at first. It's not going to be easy. It's just like anything else. When you start, start, you're wondering, why are you doing this? Is it worth it? But I will close my eyes, and I will imagine Brandon in ten years. What is Brandon like in 2032? I imagine what I'm going to be like at the end of my life. The way that I'm going to go. And I've seen some things that I don't like, and I've come back to 2022, and I said, you know what, I gotta make these changes now. This year is the year of discipline for me. It's my word, it's the year of discipline. I'm taking things seriously that I haven't taken seriously before. Taking my health more seriously. I'm taking what I put in my body more seriously. Because I don't want to hap what, let what happens to my body affect what God put me on earth to do. 
the people that you've been called to reach, the people that you've been called to impact. But I start visualizing and I'll close my eyes. I'll imagine our future family. I'll imagine what they look like. I imagine the church. And literally, if you want to take this seriously, you just close your eyes. You will make it as real as possible. Put your emotions into it. See the sights. Smell the smells. Do the walk. Whatever it is, what do you see? Vision isn't unspiritual. Vision is very spiritual. Habakkuk 2.2, the prophet said, write the vision and make it clear so that he who reads it can run. Vision is for runners. It's not for sitters. Vision is for runners. It's for people that want to get moving, people that want to get busy in life. You'll find over and over in Scripture that God moves through people who are already moving. He's moving through people that are already running. Moses was in the 40th year of his new occupation, shepherding the sheep, tending the flock, when out of nowhere God shows up. See, God will come to you and give you vision, the vision that you have for your life. It's for runners, it's not for sitters. It's not whether you can or not, but whether you choose to. Be full of vision. The third and final thing is the worship team comes back up. Be aware of the urgency. Be aware of the urgency. You are not promised tomorrow. The people that are in your life right now are not here forever. And you have a limited amount of time to make an impact because people come, people go. I had a friend uh, growing up, her mom would tell me, Brandon, she said, you got friends for a reason, friends for a season, friends for a life. I said, Brandon, you're not gonna have hardly any friends for life. But you're gonna have friends for a reason and friends for a season. Something I do with the teams that I lead, with the people I lead, is, and I would let them know the way that we lead is hands-off, it's not hands-on, it's open-handed, it's not closed-fisted. It's, hey, all of us have a transition day. Everybody has a transition day. Could be a week from now, could be a year from now, could be 20, 30, 40 years from now, but nobody is here forever whether it be at this church, whether it be at your house, whether it be at your workplace and your activities, whatever you do, you gotta make the most of the time that you have. There's a verse that I've really been loving the last few years, Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 16. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most. You know, great people, you know, godly people don't wait for a better time to get ahead. We don't wait for a better time to obey God. We don't wait for a better time to lead our families better. We do it now. So what are we gonna do? What are you going to do? Is now the time for you to write that book that you've always been dreaming about? Is now the time to work on your marriage that's been good, but it hasn't been great? Is now the time to reconnect with the kid or put more of an emphasis on how you're raising your kids? Is now a good time to get that budget in place that you keep putting off? 
but to get it in place and do it the right way. Is now the time to start the business that you've always dreamed of? And is now the time for your relationship with God to go into an entirely new level and dimension? Because if not now, when? You know, the fact is, we all had the same 86,400 seconds every day. We all had the same 1,440 minutes a day. Some of them will be regretful, some will be uh, memorable, but too often a lot of our moments will be wasted. You know, the human lifespan right now is 78 years. And recently they calculated what we spend our time on and how many months and years and decades we will spend doing a thing. You know that 28 of your 78 years in life are gonna be spent sleeping? (laughs) Seven of those sleeping years are gonna be lying in bed Worrying about things that haven't even happened yet. Once you factor in the 11 years watching TV or on your phone, the 10 and a half years working, the four years driving, the years spent eating and getting ready and ironing the clothes and taking your kids to game and doing all the different mundane tasks that we have in our life. Once you have all of it added up, You only have eight years to live. If somebody came to you today and the doctor gave you a diagnosis or the pastor gave you the diagnosis and said, guess what? You have eight years. Time's ticking. What would that do to your sense of urgency? What would that do to the time that you have what would that do with, through the vision that you have on side of you, with the things that you want to do, the things that God's called you to accomplish? How deep would each moment be and be full of gratitude if you knew you only had eight years left? So if you're going to live an overcoming life, I mean, you got to be relentless. You gotta be full of vision. And you need to be aware of the urgency and the time that you have that is being spent. Amen? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that every moment we have, it's a gift from you. It's not something that we take lightly. Lord, maybe we have this would be all of us in the room. We have had moments where we do take it too lightly. God, help us to be relentless. I pray that you put the vision back in front of us. Lord, make us aware of the urgency of the time that we do have left. If you're here in the room, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're watching online, Maybe today's the day for you to make a decision that you haven't made before. Maybe it's time for you to make a decision you have made before. Maybe you're in the room and like Paul said, he said, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe you're in here and you need to make your life right with Jesus. You wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life and you're not gonna follow him perfectly, but you can follow him faithfully. 
And if you're in here in the room or you're watching online, everybody, let's just say this together. Let's make this commitment. Let's say, Father, I receive your love. Jesus, I believe you came. You lived a perfect life. You died. And you rose again. You've accepted me into your family. I am saved. Holy Spirit, fill me, guide me, teach me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you made that decision, If you're in the room today or you're watching online, you made that decision to follow Jesus. It could be for the first time. Maybe you rededicated your life today. I love what Jesus said. He said, if anyone acknowledges me on earth, then I will acknowledge him in heaven to my Father. But if they don't acknowledge me on earth, then I can't acknowledge them in front of my Father. If you made that decision today, I'm gonna count to three. Be the boldest person in the room. Let us know where you're at. This is the easiest place to say yes because we're all rooting for you. We're all behind you. We're all celebrating for you. If you made that decision today, one, two, three. Just raise your hand. One person. Anybody else? Two hands. Three hands. If you're in the room, you made that decision. We got a desk right out here. It's called the Next Steps Desk. We have people that would love to meet you pray with you, give you a Bible or a book you may need. It's called uh, Your Next Life, What to Do Now That You Are Saved. Or you can just open your phone, the QR code in front of you, you can click Salvations. If you're watching online, uh, you can just go to oakschurch.com slash next steps. Click on the Salvation button. Let us know where you're at. But we love you guys. Next week, just a reminder, two services, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you are coming, the following Sunday for Easter, if you can RSVP, let us know when you're coming. Uh, you can do so at oakschurch.com slash events, or you can open your phone, the QR code in front of you, and click connect. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, Thanks again for listening and have a great week.